Welcome to the People Action Results Podcast. Today I have two fantastic guests for you. Uh, first being Sarah Broadhead, who is a occupational psychologist, um, having worked extensively with uh, both global businesses and the GB Taekwondo team, helping executives and athletes to perform at their best. Sarah may well be um, best known for the work that she's done with uh, Team GB Taekwondo and helping Jay Jones to two uh, Olympic gold medals. Sarah's also just written a book called Perform and Thrive, which we'll be getting into in this episode, which looks at how we can all perform at our best without having an adverse impact on our mental health. And then secondly, the second Sarah, Sarah Steemson MBE, um, absolutely delighted to welcome, who is a four-time Olympian, um, was the first British person uh, to uh, win the Taekwondo World Championship, um, went on to win it another further two more times, so three times um, in total, and winning a bronze medal in Beijing Games as well. Sarah's also voted uh, by our fellow athletes to read uh, The Athlete's Oath, which is a huge honour um, for many, many athletes, and particularly because it was at the opening ceremony of the 2012 uh, Games in London. Sarah's been seen, I think, by many as the sort of the trailblazer for the uh, GB Taekwondo team by raising the awareness of the sport, which was um, probably had more of a kind of traditional stranglehold from Korean dominance. So I'm absolutely delighted to welcome both the Sarahs. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much. So the obvious question I'm going to ask Sarah B um, is, so how do we perform and thrive? Well, I think the, the first thing you have to ask yourself is, what does thriving mean to you? Um, and I think it's being realistic about that. So if you think thriving means that you're going to be happy all the time, um, that's probably not that realistic. So it's thinking, what are the, the dimensions? What are the pieces of the puzzle that might help me live the life that I want to live? And that's what the book covers. So it, it's things like picking the environment that's right for you, um, looking at your relationships, having good relationships, understanding yourself, um, being able to ask for help. So there's a number of number of factors that can help us to perform and thrive at the same time. So, so I guess the, the the question kind of relating it into into the business world. Um, one of the one of the words I know that I looked very um, briefly at the book and talked about culture environment. Tell tell both of you tell us a bit more about the environment that you guys try to create within sporting teams and how do you think that kind of transfers into the business world? I think um, it's having ambitious goals but then helping people to feel like supported and seeing it as a challenge rather than a threat so I think that's something we worked on a lot at Taekwondo wasn't it Sarah where people felt that they could just go out do their best not be in fear of, of the outcome that was really important to us. I think for me like obviously being a retired athlete and that's a really good question because I think well how can you know I, I use the word loosely normal people I suppose non-Olympic athletes um how can they kind of have that mindset of an Olympian and I think I think you can I think the biggest thing for me how we can do that as an Olympian and non-Olympian is having a goal so 
for us, it was to become Olympic champion. That is the be all and end all. So that's what gets us up out of bed every day. You don't have to be motivated. And I'm sure we'll talk more about that as we go on. But having a big, big goal, whether you achieve it or not, that is, the for me, the most important thing. I think if you haven't got a goal in life, in work, whatever, then it's quite easy then to not have the happiest or the most thriving life. So I feel like that can be done in the business world as well. Yeah. And, and obviously, lots talked about goals in, in the workplace, objectives. How do you, I mean, from Olympian, I guess it's it's pretty formulaic, right? So you, you've got four years to, um, to to break that goal down. Work that we do at Black Isle is very similar, which we break the you know business goals down into everyday actions, which is very similar principle to to obviously what you guys have done. What I'm interested in is um, never winning a world championship in Taekwondo before. How do you how do you break that that kind of that stranglehold? Because it's more is it is it more of a psychological stranglehold than it is an actual kind of physical one. But talk to me a bit about that because that's that's groundbreaking, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I think the first title I won, I was very young and naive, and I think sometimes you can do incredible things when you're when you don't have the weight of the world on your shoulders, you know. And obviously, for me, I won my um, second senior title like ten years apart, and a lot happens, doesn't it, in in ten years, um, and how I managed to do that with everything that was going on in my life was absolutely incredible. I don't know how I did it. And Sarah helped a lot towards that, but you do have a lot more worries, a lot more stress and and for you to focus on that end goal when you have more life experience is a lot harder than being an 18 year old with no worries. You know, your mum's paying for your car, you're, you're living at home that no one's worrying about your bills, your food, you know, all that kind of stuff. So as you said, yeah, I suppose you could you could refer that as to a, a stranglehold or, or life, um, you know, weight on your shoulders. And, and for me, that's kind of where that psych support comes in, because how do you get all those worries away so you can focus on that end goal and your dream? And, and I think that for me, like the psychology part of it is the only thing that worked for me to be able to do that. And part of that was was recognizing it and facing it wasn't it I think it's quite common that you try and deny that you've got those pressures or it's seen as a weakness to say I'm finding this hard so I think that that's what I think athletes are pretty good at is is saying I'm struggling with this or I'm finding this hard and I'm not sure that always happens with people outside of sport I mean it, it can be improved in sport as well but no it's true Sarah yeah I mean you think the smallest little things, oh, I'm not going to bother talking about that, you know, or there's a, I don't know, it could be anything. Could It could be something so small, but something so big. But it's usually the smallest things. You just think, oh, I'll just brush that off. But it's still there. It's still taking away your focus from what you're trying to actually do and what you're trying to achieve. And I think it, it does take a lot, doesn't it, just to get all those thoughts out and to be that open. But once you start doing it, the easier it gets you know it's like you give all the you give all your problems to your psych and they help you then to kind of like manage that poor Sarah took it all from me <laughs> but I think it's also having role models so if your coach is quite open about oh I struggle with that pressure when I was an athlete and same in business if your your leader can can say actually 
yeah, th- this is, is tough, but this is how I might deal with it or let's talk about it as a team. I think it just brings it out into the open. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot lot now being talked about and said and I, I generally do believe that um, it's getting better in business because I think the kind of authentic leader um, is also a, a leader that is quite happy to be uh, vulnerable. But but it's not a, a natural thing to say, you know, admit some sort of vulnerability. And I would imagine it's exactly the same from an athlete's point of view because it's so competitive. And if you're not, if you're, you know, the perception would be being vulnerable, I presume, you know, it's so competitive that there's three or four other people behind you quite happy to take your place. But but it's a kind of a dichotomy for us, isn't it? Because if you if you can't be vulnerable and, and exactly as you say, Sarah, admit that actually, you know, this is hard. What we're trying to do is hard, but not go to that kind of negative place, which is it's hard and therefore we can't do anything about it. It's, it, it's admitting you can do something about it. It's the Carol Dweck stuff, isn't it? It's, you know, it's the, the growth mindset. You know, I, I haven't achieved it yet. I will, but... But tell, tell us a bit more about that, because I think that's that's very similar to business, isn't it? Yeah. So I think it links to that seeing things as a, a challenge. So if you if you see things as a, a challenge and something that you can learn and grow at, you're much more likely to be enthusiastic or give it a go. Whereas if you're coming at it from a, a fear mindset, then you feel like you've got something to lose. And, and a lot of this is linked to relationships. So if you've got people around you, that are saying, I'm going to be here for you, even if you fail, even if it doesn't go right. I want you to try. Let's try it together. I think that's that's massive in business and sport. It, it, and the whole chapter on relationships is is around that, like having people that that are supportive, that are encouraging, that will help you achieve things you never thought possible. I, I totally agree. I, th- I think I, I love talking about that teamwork and the people that help you to get to where you need to be because in obviously in elite sport and, and suppose it in, in business as well, there's only a one or two people or a small group of people, maybe just one person that gets all the glory at the end. It's exactly the same in sport. So I'm trying to get to London and I'm going to be on the podium. I, I wasn't, but that's how it, at that competition, but we're the ones that get the glory, the gold medals. But if you can get that team around you, to be that selfless and buy into your dreams like and there's and there's obviously a, a way to do that and it's and we can talk about that as we go on but for me like that team and that buy-in is massively important and I think that's you can do that in business I'm sure you do that as well Jeremy in your business I think it's as long as that person for me on that podium is a respectful person that will appreciate what everyone's done for them talk about the team that have got them to that position, it makes that team want to do it again and stay involved as well. Yeah, definitely. And from a business perspective, you're absolutely right. It, the, the, the business analogy for me, it's, it's about the business. The business is, is the culture. It's not one person. So everybody contributes to that culture. Um, obviously, from a leadership perspective, you set the, you set the tone of the, of the culture. So culture starts at the top. And it goes throughout the whole of the business. But ultimately, it's the business is an entity that's actually more important than any one person. So um, whilst, you know, it's terrible to, to, to lose some of your best people, ultimately, it's about the, the entity, the business, the culture of the business. And, and 
when you lose really good people who affect the culture, likewise, the adverse effect, and you'll be exactly the same in the sporting world, when you lose toxic people, often the culture changes pretty quickly. And I, and I read her in, you know, in some of the, 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 the book that I, I, I looked at, talking about toxic cultures within sport, because there are. I mean, it's no different to, to business. It's exactly the same. But it's normally led by one or two people at the top and then one or two people below. And it's, it's, toxic cultures are often seen as lots of people, but it's often not the case in my experience. Is yeah, it's often it's often that that win at all costs, and we've seen it in sport, haven't we, Sarah? Where if you will do, if it's almost life and death, and it's win at all costs, then that often drives behaviours that are really unhealthy and really unproductive or damaging to, to individuals. You spoke at the beginning, Jeremy, about that environment, and you know, Sarah was saying about being happy. You know, for me. People can look at elite people and look at me, and and Sarah knows me really well. I I I was am you know really driven and and selfish in a respectful way because I wanted to achieve. But if I wasn't happy, generally as a person, like in and outside the gym and the environment, then I'm not going to achieve. I needed to be happy. I needed to be around nice people, good people that cared, and you know it wasn't always the case. Um, and it's very difficult to try and move away from the, I suppose, that toxic environment if it's there, you know, and it's difficult to choose your team sometimes in, in sport. But I was very lucky that, you know, I could, I, I was around an amazing team that were all nice people that knew me personally. I think that's really important, like knowing the people in your team, how to get the best out of them, what makes them happy so then they can go and thrive. And, and I think that was really important to me as well. And I think. Being a, a healthy culture and, and thriving, it doesn't mean that we got on all the time or we didn't have difficult conversations or we didn't give each other feedback. And I think athletes are really generally pretty good at getting feedback because you get coached every day. Whereas um, in business, sometimes it, it can be harder for people to take on feedback or people struggle to know how to give feedback. But I think that's what the sporting environment does mostly quite well, doesn't it, I think? Yeah, definitely. I, I mean, I suppose the people that I, I know we're going to get some of our team, what we worked with for 2012, maybe listening to this, and they probably be, probably would agree. <laughs> so you can keep it in, <laughs> you know. So for example, you know, um, S and C coaches are incredible. Their energies are usually like absolutely amazing, and you need that from them. Um, but sometimes, like the organisation skills can be a little bit um, <laughs> lapsed, <laughs> and sometimes you know you need to say, you know, listen. I love you. What you do is amazing for me, but I need you to do these sessions for me. I need you to be a bit more organized because, you know, I'm trying to get to the Olympics here. And as long as you're saying it in the right way and they're all brought into that end goal and that vision, you know, it, it it's doable. But you've just, I, for me, like understanding people's strengths and weaknesses and pulling, pulling them up when you need to, is you need that that relationship, don't you, to be able to get that end result from everybody. Yeah, yeah, it's and just going back to what you said, Sarah, about about uh, in business. I think that's right. I think um, performance coaching in business is critical, but performance coaching in in business is no different to in sport. You you, you have to give back f- feedback, which people may not want to hear, but I think that's that's okay. It, and again, it goes back to what we've just said, really. It's just how much do you want the outcome goal? 
Because if you're kind of just up for it and it's okay, if you get it, you don't, then then tough feedback is tough. If you if if I you know if I want to achieve something within business and I'll do whatever it takes to get there, then I'm quite happy to have tough feedback. I mean, I you know, I'm not you know, I'm not, it's not great to hear it sometimes, right? But if you want to, if that's how you, if you want to progress, then that's exactly what, what you have to do. Let me, um, let me just ask a, a couple of questions. Let me ask Sarah S. <laughs> um, this question, because I know this is um, obviously, and I hope you don't mind me asking this question. I know it's very, um, you know, there was a the personal situation with you losing your, your parents, very, very sort of quick succession leading up um, to the, I think it's 2012. He left, lost them in 2011, and and I just wondered how you could you what you how you could share, you know, setbacks. How how do you deal with setbacks? Because it's not just injuries. It's obviously stuff going on outside of work. You know, you're the whole person. You're the athlete. It's not just you're not just the athlete. Sorry, you're you're. It's the same in work. You know, you you have different roles in your life. Just happen to be at work. So how how do you deal with setbacks? Well, that particular setback was obviously, you know, it's very difficult for us as a as a team and obviously as an individual to know really what to do in that situation. Poor Sarah. I mean, what do you what does even a, a psych say, I suppose, to someone going through that? So I understood how hard it was, obviously for me, but for everyone else around me to, you know, to not walk on eggshells, um, to keep doing what I was doing, but also don't avoid what was going on. You know, even yourself, Jeremy, and you know, just saying then, I hope you don't mind asking the question. And then I think it happened. People, it's there, it's in the book, and we shouldn't um, beat around the bush. These things happen in real life, and, you know, we should be able to openly talk about it. And that's what we did a lot, and I talked about it a lot to get me to that London Games. But just reverting back to what you're saying about how do you cope with it, I think for me it's um, a lifetime of being in tough situations overcoming them whether you win or lose doesn't matter as long as you get through them it doesn't matter what the end goal is as long as you face them head on that's where you build up that resilience and then when bad things happen again you know that you have to face them because running away from them it it doesn't work it doesn't get you stronger it it just makes you inevitably a possibly a person that's less successful than what you should be um and just not mentally tough enough to kind of deal with bad situations so just facing them head on whether it the outcome's bad or it's good I think you learn so much and you get more resilient and that's I was quite a resilient person even though that was absolutely horrendous and it and it broke me and it and it 100% you know still you know still damages you you know probably for the rest of your life but um but without being in those tough situations throughout my whole life injuries winning losing you know it helped me to be able to face that. Yeah. And and, and I, there's there's a whole adage, isn't there, which is obviously very prevalent in in sport, but also in business, which is that the, the greatest learnings come from that adversity, don't they? And the, the greatest learnings is there's a sort of a line and we, we have to push ourselves over that line, out of, out of that, you know, comfort zone is, is used a lot. But there's a lot, lot to be learned in university and I think certainly from a business perspective my greatest lessons have always been <laughs> when things have gone badly not when things have gone well because I think you find out a lot about people when things go badly it's not everyone can strut around the office you know 
being with a big smiley face when everything's going well, but I'm not sure that really tells you a lot about people. It's it's when it's not going very well. What what are the behaviours like then? How, who 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 have you got next to you? Is much more important to me than when it's going well. <laughs> and what I really liked, um, Sarah, what I think you you talk a lot about the values that your parents had and how you pass them on to your kids. And when things get tough, you you kind of tap into to how they were as people. And I think I really like that. Yeah, I was going to say that actually, you know, being a resilient person, 100% stems from how the way that, for me personally, it might not be right for everybody, but for me personally, I, I was able to, you know, thrive in challenging situations because I was pushed when I was younger. Um, you know, whether it, whether you can get away with doing it nowadays, I don't know, but wasn't bad you know it was the fact that you know just little things really like oh I don't want to go training tonight well you are going because we've just paid for this competition so you are going to training and it was just (laughs) small things like that like small things like we couldn't afford to pay for a competition um so my dad would make me go to local businesses literally knock on their door and ask for money with him and it was the most embarrassing thing to do as a teenager and really really difficult for a teenager to do so just small things like that I at the time it was horrific <laughs> but very grateful that I had a parent who was brave enough I mean what who's brave enough to do that nowadays to go and do a car boot sale to raise money and sell things and knock on people's door and ask for sponsorship and things like that so small things like that I think helps you to be a better parent as well and to know that I want my kids to be able to be put in difficult situations because unfortunately that's life and we can't shield them from it. And I think we, we do that a little bit too much sometimes. Yeah, I think it's finding ways to, to cope, isn't it? And if you're worried or anxious about something, avoiding it is an understandable human thing to do, like avoiding having that difficult conversation or, but it, it's overcoming it or finding strategies that that's important because you might feel better immediately if you avoid it but like you said it it doesn't go away so what your parents did was was teach you how to overcome difficult uncomfortable situations and I think in in life though as well it doesn't have to just be parents you know it could be uh your boss um you know when you're young in your new job or it could be a coach or a school teacher all these people I think have just as much of impact sometimes on a young person um, for the rest of their life as well. So, so yeah, it's it's all looking at everyone around you as well, isn't it, growing up? That's something that a lot of athletes talked about that I interviewed, uh, the importance of having a mentor. Um, so it could be someone in your own sport, it could be outside of sport, but I think in business as well, like having someone that you can learn from or who can be your supportive person but that can challenge you when you need it, I think is really good. Yeah. So tell us a bit more about the book then, Sarah. I know you've got um, you've got lots of athletes in there. So tell us a bit more about yeah. it. Yeah, so I, I, want, I wanted to write a book because I think um, a lot of maybe people at a grassroots level or um, kind of at all levels really, you maybe don't have access to the support or the knowledge that maybe Sarah had being on a um, an Olympic programme. So I just wanted to be able to share some of that knowledge and I think mental health in sport is talked about a lot, but I wanted to bring it all together and, and talk about what mental health is and isn't and 
what are all those dimensions that that can contribute to to thriving um, and in that process interviewed lots of different people and even people that I'd worked with for quite a long time I, I still learned things about them or, or learned really helpful things for the book so yeah it was it was a, a good experience to interview all those athletes brilliant and um, what's your what's your biggest takeaway out of the book then because as you say you, you interviewed a lot of people right what, what was your biggest kind of takeaway from it do you think uh I think it's around having some kind of meaning and purpose in your life. So if if it's just about results, it's just about outcomes, it can feel a bit hollow. So you'll probably be able to recognise this there, like you'll win your medal, but then I don't know, the next day or the next week, you're like, oh, life's still the same. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it's finding something else, whether it's getting meaning from relationships or from helping other people or so that, that seems to be the biggest thing that's come out from people I interviewed, but also a lot of the research into to thriving is, is having that kind of meaning and purpose. And it could be like a little thing or it could be a big thing, but it, it just gives you something else other than an outcome. That was one of the things definitely that I did, especially as you get older, like I said before, when you're young and 18, 19, whatever, you don't want to do anything else it's like I'm just going to do taekwondo and that's it and it's so much easier but when you you know you get into your mid-20s and taekwondo is not a sport you can that many people do well into the 30s it's a it's a combat sport it's a young combat sport and um, you get into like 25 and you're thinking okay what am I going to do next and that's kind of when you've got to think about what can I do alongside it because this is a long time doing this sport at 25 probably nearly done it 20 20 years already because I was only seven when I started it's like what am I going to do do next and I think I started off with like small things I did I I did a um, Spanish course where I learned Spanish a couple of times a week just completely something different and you know what the amazing thing about that was not only was I doing something a bit different I met people that weren't involved in taekwondo which was awesome as well and such a good distraction you know and I got this group of people that I was like oh should we go out for dinner like these are this is weird like speaking to people that don't do sport so it's really great to have something running alongside that doesn't you know it's not full-on 100% sport 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 and you know I do I did a couple of talks recently to some businesses and I said the same thing it's like you can let your job like eat you up like you can make your job be the be all and end all of your existence so everyone suffers you suffer your family suffer and you know the biggest thing that I've learned especially leading up to 2012 with everything that was going on is having perspective and I I think people forget that I think I really really do think that we forget that especially in business probably even more so in business than than sport like you have to do something else other than your job because it's not it's not real life. It's not yeah. what's at home, it's not what's real, it's not it's everything at home that's important, you know. So sometimes we need reminding of that, don't we, that perspective as well. Yeah. If if you look at um there's been research by a palliative nurse on the regrets that people have in their, their final days. And a lot of it is I wish I'd spent more time with family, I wish I'd worked so hard, I wish I'd let myself be happy. So I think that's exactly what you're saying. If you can get that perspective whilst you're having your working life, and that's often what what leads to burnout and unhappiness is you, you haven't got anything else. Like it, it's the same with with sports people, with business people. If 
everything is is that one thing it's okay if things are going well but when they're not which is inevitable that's when you're going to struggle that's when you'll suffer yeah it it's so true and and the perspective thing i think is so important in business as well certainly from a certainly in coaching it's uh, coaching you know execs it's normally the one thing that straight away is very obvious there's just no perspective there's no perspective in you know you're so in the the, the here and now you're so buried in what's going on you can't see the bigger picture that actually you know you're doing pretty well actually if you step back and look at what's actually going on but of course it doesn't feel like it's you no different with athletes it's like well come on you're you're you know, in the GB team, you're going to the Olympics. I'd argue you're doing pretty well. It's like, oh no, 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 it's a disaster because I've I've got an injury or something. But but it's it's perspective, isn't it? It's perspective of actually where we are, which comes back to purpose again. Yeah, and it has to be important enough to get out of bed and commit a lot of time to it and be passionate about it, but not so important that you lose all perspective and it becomes life and death. So. Look, we're coming to the end of uh, the podcast. I can't believe it. Uh, it's been really fun um, chatting. I'd, a couple of questions. Uh, well, a couple of questions, Sarah. You can tell us a bit more about the book and where we can get it shortly. But, but I'd like to ask both of you first of all. What, what's the what's the best piece of advice that you've been given, and and why? It, it depends what mood I'm in, but I've picked this one today because this piece of advice it this gives me perspective. This takes me back to being that young 18-year-old with no worries, no cares. And my coach, when I was growing up, he just used to say, shut up and get on with it. And that was the best piece of advice. Yeah, good old Gary Sykes in Doncaster. Um, because, you know, I'm trying to train for an Olympics and my parents have, you know, got cancer what the hell have I got to moan about? And I think sometimes that that doesn't work sometimes. It doesn't. As Sarah will say, that's not as easy to get rid of all those things off your shoulders by saying one piece of advice. But at that moment, that really helped me because it's like, listen, there's people like with cancer struggling or I'm just trying to train to get to the Olympic Games. You know, it's not life and death. And it, it really helped me to to kind of do that. So... Sometimes that piece of advice is the best piece of advice. So if you're struggling and you just sometimes you just need a slap, don't you? You don't need to talk about it too much and get it all off your chest and all nicey nicey, which is amazing. We need that. But sometimes if you know the person well enough, you just need a slap and you just need to shut up and get on with it. <laughs> that that links to my advice, which I think is is surround yourself with really good people. So when I say good, I mean that will have your back, that want the absolute best for you, but will tell you to get on with it when you need to go on with it. Very good. Isn't there something about that, Sarah? Isn't there something that you become you become 50% of the of the five people that you spend enough to, uh, the most time with? So it's something like that, isn't it? I think it's, it's, yeah, sounds about right. Yeah. Which sounds yeah. about right, doesn't it? So if you surround yourself with five people who moan all the time, then the chances are 50% of the time you're going to be moaning because you just... It's, but it goes back to culture and environment again, yeah, doesn't it? Yeah, and it's contagious. Wrong, wrong it, it really is. Yeah. And yeah. So finally, where where do we get the book and um, when's it out? It is out on the 15th of November. And um, you can get it from directly from the publisher, which is Hawksmoor Publishing. 
Um, it's also available um, on Amazon and Waterstones as well. Amazing. I literally cannot wait to read it in full. Um, it'd be brilliant. I was really, really looking forward to reading it. I know that you spent a lot of lot of hours on it in the summer so yes. um, <laughs> yeah. I'm sure it's a brilliant read and there's some brilliant people in it and yeah I, I'm and just so, so lucky that that those people willing to give up their time and, and their insights it was really great yeah it looks amazing it's a, just a, such a, a brilliant um, combination of different people as well so fantastic brilliant. so listen thank you so much indeed for coming on the uh, people action results podcast it's been absolutely brilliant thanks thanks so much for, for joining us Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks, Bye. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks a lot. <laughs> Thank you for listening to episode number five of the People Action Results podcast. For more information, please visit blackislegroup.com and follow us on our LinkedIn page, the People Action Results podcast. This is Jeremy Campbell from the Black Isle Group. Thanks for joining us, and I really look forward to catching up next time.